Gamers, today we're going to be discussing the Virginia gubernatorial race. Yes, I made that awful pun, and no, I don't regret it. I'm once again your host, Sean Ferris, and we are back from our summer break transition. I will be taking over the podcast until the assembly, so I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. First, as I mentioned, we will be discussing a hot-button issue in the heated election for Virginia governor, education. After that, we'll be welcoming our guest for this episode, a participant of the Model General Assembly, and now an advisor herself. Let's get started. While many issues have been at the forefront of this year's election, including abortion, employment, and pandemic mandates, the one area the candidates have come to find as a point of contention is the Commonwealth's education. The GOP candidate Glenn Youngkin has gone on the offensive with his strong condemnation of McAuliffe's statements on parental intervention in public schools. The former governor is quoted as saying, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach in an ad run by the Youngkin campaign. Along with the running of this ad, Youngkin, seeing the positive response from suburban parents, held a Parents Matter rally in mid-October. Seemingly in response to the attack on the former governor, McAuliffe is now increasing his advertisement on his plan for education funding. This plan includes increased investment in public schools to raise teacher pay, increase access to pre-K programs, and increase access to broadband internet. This plan would flow about $2 billion annually into Virginia education, with funding coming from legalized marijuana and the economic rebound from the pandemic-caused recession. Youngkin's education platform is based around elevating educational standards. He is encouraging the preservation of advanced classes and diplomas, increasing the number of governor schools, and improving measurement metrics via standardized testing. Youngkin argues that more standardized testing will allow schools to be more competitive and show where help is needed. With rising tension from parents over the period of online or hybrid schooling, and now constant discussion over mask or vaccine mandates, it was a critical decision for the candidates to discuss schools in this volatile time. Many metrics, notably the Washington Post, have found through opinion polls that issues on education have even risen above the economy in public importance, namely the discussion of how race should be taught in schools. McCall's comments on parental intervention in schools occurred at their last debate and was mentioned referencing a bill that he vetoed that would have required teachers to notify parents before assigning any material that included, quote, sexually explicit content. Youngkin expressed his opposition to McAuliffe's statements during their debate. While most schools already have restrictions on such assignments being given by administration, many parents were pushing for the passage of this bill to exclude their children from having to read a novel called Beloved by Toni Morrison historical fiction on the experience of enslaved people in the United States. The beginning of this push came from one mother in Fairfax County, who alleged the book gave her child nightmares because of its depiction of murder and sexual assault. This leads us into a deeper-rooted issue in the political climate right now, critical race theory. This idea is described by the American Bar Association as a practice of interrogating the role of race and racism in society removal from curriculums around the Commonwealth is increasingly popular among parents and conservative parties. Critical race theory does not appear in any statewide curriculum, but many Republicans have expressed their concern with it at their local schools. The most notable restriction of critical race theory in the U.S. curriculum was in September of 2020, when former President Donald Trump restricted its teaching through limiting federal contracts, calling it divisive. One's opinion on the subject 
very well may turn their vote either way in this neck-and-neck -neck election. Proposed changes to education will likely be seen out by the incoming governor. Many of the wealthy Northern Virginia swing voters who are expressing concern alongside candidate Youngkin are believed to be making some of the biggest influences in this year's election, according to CNN. Whether that is true or not is yet to be seen. However, we do have the final results of the election. As many of you know, Republican Glenn Youngkin won by about 2%, giving his party the first statewide win since 2009. Shifting gears now, I'm happy to introduce our guest, Tiffany Para, a veteran of the Commonwealth's MGA. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Now, just give everyone a little rundown of who you are and your experience with MGA. Yeah, so um, I was a, uh, I think I was a delegate. I don't actually remember, but I was a delegate in uh, 2017. That was actually my first year and only year at MGA. Um, I took a bill that essentially made it so you could only breed dogs a certain amount of times, kind of trying to cut down on things like puppy mills. Um, it passed pretty easily. Uh, it was a puppy bill, you know. But uh, I, I did that. I went to Kona that year. Um, I had a lot of fun on the mountain. And then I went to JMU after my year in MGA. Um, I have a degree in history. And now I currently teach United States Virginia history at Garfield High School in Woodbridge. Wow. I wasn't aware that you had only been to MGA one time. Yeah, yeah. I only went to MGA one time. <laughs> I basically decided to join when I was in Mr. Mingy's uh, government class. Uh, he kind of convinced me. I decided to try it out. And uh, I guess the rest is history. Right. I mean, it seems like it worked out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really loved it. I made some really good friends. Um, it was a great experience. Obviously great enough that I now have my own youth and government club at Garfield. But uh, yeah. Right. I wanted to ask, how is that going? Good, good. Uh, it's a little bit of a slow startup. Uh, kids don't exactly know what we are. They don't know what we're doing. Um, I am competing with Model UN, which has a little bit of a better establishment in right. the high school world. But I think once kids kind of see how cool MGA is and they hear from their classmates how cool it is, I think next year we'll, we'll be good. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's intimidating to a lot of people because yeah. we've been trying to recruit for our club but it it's hard to retain kids because we're obviously talking about like lawsuits and uh model judiciary or mga and it's a lot of a lot of things that there's a bit of a learning curve to yeah exactly exactly and i i think it's it's also intimidating just because kids hear like government and they're like oh i hear so much about that in the news like i don't want to get involved with it um if i'm like out of my depth I don't know enough, anything like that. Um, and then you also just kind of have the typical, I guess, culture of like, oh, that's for nerds. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's it definitely is for nerds, I will say. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever been to MGA, you know, the population is it's strong nerd population. <laughs> yes, yes. But but I think we're the cool nerds. <laughs> Absolutely. We're definitely the most annoying nerds. That's just because we like government. Yeah, it's because <laughs> we like to talk fault. a lot. It's exactly. The, that's why we have a podcast. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, steering away from, you know, uh, the club aspect, I wanted to ask about, like, how 
you think government MGA affected your degree choice and how it affected your career choice later? I actually, when I went to James Madison University, I started out as a political science major. Um, I thought that that was what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to work in a congressional office. I thought I was going to be this big (laughs) major political scientist. But as life kind of went on, I decided and discovered that I enjoyed the questions that a history degree kind of offered me instead. So talking about um, why things happened, how we can change them, how we can kind of have discussions about the past and how they affect the future, stuff like that. Um, I enjoyed that a lot more, which is why I kind of got into history. I also missed kind of the debate aspect so much that I joined Student Government Association when I was at JMU. And I met some of my best friends there. It was one of the best experiences I ever had as an undergrad. I was able to affect a lot of change that way. And it was all because of what I learned through MGA. So when I was in SGA, I was able to do things like advocate for sexual assault victims. I was asking JMU to uh, essentially fire (laughs) Uh, people who had been accused of sexual assault, I was asking them to hold athletes accountable. And that was all kind of because of MGA and because of the confidence that MGA had given me. Um, Wow. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, You're definitely shilling for MGA, I will say. Hey, I'm I'm just telling you how it is. (laughs) No, that's amazing. MGA gave me a lot of confidence. I mean, I will say, like, not to toot my own horn, But going in the first year, kind of not knowing anything and realizing that I had the ability to debate and the ability to kind of stand up for things that I believed in really helped shape me, especially going into college, where there is this kind of aspect of finding yourself and not really knowing who you are and trying to discover that. Right. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for a lot of kids that have just gone like one year and then have even gone to like Kona, they they realized there was this like kind of innate part of them that Mm -hmm. they just hadn't quite found, which is, I think like an underappreciated part of MGA. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I completely agree. Like I think a lot of kids, especially y'all's age, just don't really understand the power and the voice that they really have. And they don't really understand that until they actually go and they even see the, just like the little bit of change they're able to enforce by just, talking about bills for like three days yeah it seems so like um innocuous thing that people do for a little bit and then we go home but it really is something that's like special yeah I mean I think it also helps a lot of kids kind of flesh out the issues that they really care about like I know in my club currently I I have kids who are really really passionate about the things that are going on in education about the conversations that are going on in education Um, We've been looking at the bill that has been giving kids free school lunch for the past couple months. We've been looking at that, kind of seeing how we can extend that. So that's been something that they've decided they're really passionate about. Um, They've also kind of uh, looked at protecting things like abortion rights, um, you know, the rights to women's bodies. They've just kind of been looking at that, deciding that's something they care about. And it's, it's really cool now as an advisor to see kids realizing that's what they care about um, because they kind of come alive and they kind of get like 
really excited and you know we'll be sitting in my classroom and we'll be there for like two hours and it's like oh maybe you guys should get home like we've been talking about education <laughs> for way too long go home so that's great I yeah. love that all right now thank you for answering all those questions I know it was a lot but <laughs> You're good. I have this last bit for you a little quiz on some Virginia government hopefully they just go from easy to hard I will give you some hints if you need Got them. It. All right. Number one, name one president who is from the Commonwealth. James Madison. <laughs> there you go. Number two, how many seats are in the Senate of Virginia? Of Virginia. Uh, I know in Congress it's 235. I don't know Virginia. Isn't it like 100? That's the House. Dang it. <laughs> the Senate is less. 75. It's 40. Dang it, Sean. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Number three. What year was our first state constitution enacted? Hint, it's the same year as the Declaration of Independence. 1776. Yes. I was going to start singing the Hamilton song if you didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I we, okay. So we're in the election of 1800 in USVA. So like that's where my mind is currently mm. is, you know, Thomas Jefferson versus like Aaron Burr. So, okay. Yeah. So you're deep in it. Yeah. I'm deep in it. All right. Four. Who was the first governor of Virginia? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> can we do like a multiple choice or ooh, like my kids ask for? Can we do a retake? <laughs> I'll give you a hint. There's a mall in the Hampton Roads area named after Patrick Henry. Yes. All right, last one. Which is not an article of the Virginia Constitution? It's a multiple choice. A, Bill of Rights. B, Education. C, Elections. Or D, Corporations. Corporations. Wrong. It's C, it's Elections. I knew it was either Corporations or Elections. I knew Education was in there. I knew the Bill of Rights was in there. But I was thinking, like... Thomas Jefferson hated corporations so much. Right. Well, you got, um, what was that, one of them right? Yeah, yeah. So basically I failed and I need to do the retake. When can I do that? Um, I'll, I'll send you a, a, a retake uh, next you. week. Is that <laughs> Thank you. It'll, be, it. it'll have to be on my desk by the end of the week, though. Got it. I mean, I can, I can meet the deadline. Okay, sweet. Thank you so much for having the time to talk with me. Yeah, of course. It's what I'm here for. <laughs> and I hope everything goes well with your advising and your club. Thank you. Yep. I will see yeah. you later. Yeah, of course. Have a good time at MGA and hopefully I'll see you there. Awesome. Right, bye. And last but not least, our final segment is about a recent development in internet culture, Noodle the Pug. A TikTok account owned by Jonathan Graziano blew up almost overnight from him checking to see whether his 13-year-old dog was going to stand up or lie back down after being propped up. As trivial as it may seem for many, a following grew from the owner assigning in a horoscope fashion whether or not it was going to be a bones day if he stood up or a no bones day if he lied back down. Depending on what day it was would determine what sort of day it would be for everyone. Their account on TikTok has amassed about 4 million followers, has been featured on the Today Show on CBS, and was even mentioned by the Louisiana governor in a recent video encouraging people to get vaccinated. This account has been mentioned by nearly every major news outlet, so to simply mention it would be 
beating a dead horse. It is interesting to bring up, rather, in the scope of seeing how people are drawn to these sort of event-predicting phenomena that almost no one believes is actually indicative of the future. Graziano, the owner of the account, is quoted as saying, people just seemed to really need this right now. It's also important to remember Graziano is a social media director by profession, and his activities on social media are managed by an agency that focuses on dog influencers. Not to taint the otherwise innocuous activities of a dog and their owner, but it is important to remember how much of social media, even with cute animals, is still selling you content. Not to discourage you from doing so, but rather encourage you to examine all of the content creators you appreciate and understand the business behind what they do, especially with content that blows up on this scale. Management agencies will try to scoop them up as soon as their popularity reaches a certain threshold of marketability, especially with content that is practically immune to scandal, like that of an innocent old pug. Now before we end this episode, here are some announcements for our MGA participants this year. We have a bill writing workshop on November 15th at 7pm. To access those meetings, just go to the Wild Apricot and look under the Trainings and Meetings tab. If you are a bill patron this year, we highly encourage you to come and would love to see you there. Registration for the Virginia YMCA is now live. You can register on Wild Apricot by going to vayymca.wildapricot.org. And that wraps up our November episode of the Youth and Government Connection. Thank you to Tiffany Para for making time to talk with me, and thank you to all of you who listened. This is a student-led podcast brought to you by the Virginia YMCA. For more information, visit www.vayymca.org. I have been your host, Sean Ferris, and I will see you next time. Thank you.